RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively right here from my friends on RadioInfluence.com and available for downloads on iTunes. So, hey, if you still have that old, raggedy, decrepit iPhone 3, as long as you still have iTunes, you can download this show. So there's no reason you should not be listening to Beyond the Badge. It's what's hot in policing. I give it to you real and raw a police officer's point of view, as me, being an ex-police officer, can do. It's beyond the badge. It's what's hot. Before I get into tonight's show, for those of you that don't know, and many of you do, I've been in broadcasting school. We're in week seven, I believe, and last week we actually started our on-camera stuff, which is very interesting because, as you know, I've been on CNN, HLN, Dateline, local news, I've been on TV for quite a while now, quite uh, some time, a few years. But it's a little different when you're actually having to direct, write, produce. So it's been a little challenging for me, but at the same time, it's been fun because it's going to make me a much better broadcaster. It's going to make me more attractive to networks and stations out there. So it's been challenging, but it's been fun. This upcoming week, we have to do a live radio broadcast at an actual station, so I'm looking forward to that. And more TV work in the up-and-coming weeks. Graduation is slated for May 12th. I can't wait. It's exhausting again. It's three nights a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 6 to 10. And that's after going from 5 a.m. in the morning, so it makes for a long day. But it's so going to pay off. May the 12th, my certification in broadcasting here in the state of Georgia, it's going to be awesome. Now, let me go ahead and give this public service announcement right now. Tonight's show is very, very personal to me. It's a very serious matter. I'm probably going to say some things that a lot of people don't agree with. So, if your ears and your heart are sensitive, it would be in your best interest to change the station right now. Because some of the things I say are going to slap people in the face like a ton of bricks. But it's going to be the truth. It's going to be reality. Now, last week I talked about, at the end of the show, I teased on it how the theory of unarmed and not being dangerous and that 57 officers had been killed in the line of duty since the year 2000 by quote-unquote unarmed suspects. And of course, this didn't become a big deal until Ferguson and until Michael Brown, because that whole theory was he was unarmed, he was not a threat. And if you remember, if history will tell you that Michael Brown was far from, A, not being a threat, and just because he was unarmed does not mean that officer did not feel an imminent threat of danger or bodily injury against this person so it sparked Michael Brown oh he's unarmed all these unarmed black men across the country are being shot and killed by police 
It's unjustified. It doesn't make any sense. Well, let me read a few stats really quick before I start playing some audio to some of the things back in Ferguson. And then I want to talk about a case that is really, really, really close to me because I used to patrol this area in Nashville, Tennessee. And things really haven't changed that much since I left there. So let me go over these stats. Since 2000, at least 57 officers. At least. That means all the data is not there. It's probably more, I assure you. 57 officers have been killed in the line of duty by their own weapon, by a quote-unquote unarmed suspect. From 2000 to 2010, 51 officers were killed by their own gun. Four officers were killed in 2011, one officer in 2013, and one officer in 2014, and he was in my roll call last week. 57 officers killed in the line of duty by their own weapon since the year 2000. And the report says, again, at least. If I had to guess, there were probably more. These are the ones that the, the FBI and the Department of Justice and organizations like that know of. So that's 57 cases of Michael Brown's. Think about this for one second. 57 cases of Michael Brown's. Remember, we were told Michael Brown was unarmed. We were told he had his hands up. But when the Department of Justice, who later wanted to sue the city of Ferguson, went in and looked at the evidence, the evidence told us that Michael Brown was fighting with the officer. And I assure you, Michael Brown at 300 plus pounds could have easily overpowered Officer Wilson and taken his weapon. So then, Officer Wilson could have been number 58 of officers killed in the line of duty by their own weapon by a quote-unquote unarmed suspect. He was a peaceful person, and he lived his life peaceful. I definitely think he's guilty of murder. He was a peaceful person. Now, this is the witness that was walking with Michael Brown on the day of the shooting there in Ferguson, Missouri, where Officer Wilson shot and killed Michael Brown, the unarmed individual. And he described Michael Brown as peaceful. But let's look at history once again. Michael Brown, 10 minutes before his death, was committing a crime inside a store, and he was essentially assaulting the clerk inside that store very aggressively. The total opposite of peaceful. So then when the Department of Justice investigates and they come to their conclusion and they do diagrams and they do all of this, Michael Brown's DNA is inside that car that shows he was in a physical altercation with Officer Wilson. So now this individual, this witness, says it's murder. But is it really murder or was this officer able to articulate, and I believe it to be true, A, because there was no indictment by the grand jury, even though people say it was racism, and B, because the Department of Defense, which is headed by a black person, given orders by a black person, the President of the United States, the Department of Defense actually cleared this officer in this case. So, was it murder or... 
Was it the fact that this officer could articulate that he felt an imminent danger of bodily injury or death according to the use of force continuum and he acted accordingly? I would say it was that. I would definitely not say it was racism because here's the thing you have to do to prove racism. A, you would have to prove that this officer, Officer Wilson, woke up that morning in August of 2014 and said, hmm, you know what? I think I'm going to go finally kill a black person. I think I'm finally going to go kill an N-word. It's been my dream forever to do it. But they couldn't prove that. There was nothing in his history that said he was a racist. There was nothing in his file from the black people of Ferguson because it's a city where the population is the majority black. There was nothing in his file to say that. And you know why? Because chances are, here's a thought that no one's ever thought about. Chances are, just because he was white doesn't necessarily mean he's racist. Again, what have I always said? Crime brings police, not color. Guess who was assigned that neighborhood on that day? Officer Darren Wilson, who happened to be a white guy. But for all we know, he may have 20 or 30 black friends. Maybe he doesn't. But the absence of having black friends does not necessarily mean this person is racist. He was assigned that patrol zone on that day. He spotted Michael Brown initially for an unrelated offense, and then by the time the contact was made, he realized Michael Brown matched the description of the individual that had just robbed the store, matched it to a T from height, weight, clothing, socks, flip-flops, hat, everything matched. So it wasn't because Officer Wilson saw this black kid walking down the street that he decided to harass him. A, he was walking in the middle of the street, which is an infraction. Is it a small infraction? Yes, it is. But what did I just say? Crime brings police, not color. Let's think about this big picture. Had Michael Brown and his friend been walking on the sidewalk as they should have been instead of in the middle of the street, do you think Officer Wilson would have even bothered them? Because I'm sure those two were not the only two at that exact moment that were outside in that neighborhood. He could have chose a lot of people to quote-unquote harass if that was his intention. But the fact is, Michael Brown, his friend, who says it's murder, were walking in the middle of the street, impeding traffic because it's the law, and when they were told to get out of the street, the witness even said, we'll be home in a minute, and continued to walk in the middle of the street. So not only were they given an order, they disobeyed the order, but then people want to wonder why Officer Wilson approached him. Because they broke the law, they were given a chance to correct it, and they didn't. Period. So let's talk about Nashville, Tennessee. And in 2002, I got sworn in to be a police officer there. And when I got sworn in, I worked East Nashville. For the majority of my career, whether it was narcotics or when I was in patrol or flex, I worked East Nashville. So I know it quite well. So last week, there was a story on the news 
about an officer being assaulted in James Casey Holmes projects. Now, I spent many a night in James Casey Holmes projects. I've arrested many a people in James Casey Holmes projects. 99.8.2% of the people in James Casey Holmes projects are black. Now, when I was there arresting those black people, was it because I wanted to harass the black community? No. Again, it was because I was assigned to work James Casey Holmes projects. And crime brings police. And the majority of my calls on an eight-hour shift were in the James Casey Holmes area. It's demographics. It's crime demographics. It's not racism. It's not police want to just swarm into the black community and take over. It's crime demographics. So last week, this individual, and I'll tell you his name and all that crap here in just a few minutes, decided he wanted to fight an officer. So when he started fighting this officer, more people started fighting this officer and grabbing him and kicking him. The individual was arrested. I think they made another arrest in the case. I want to talk about it, but I want to play this audio for you so you can get an idea of what this officer went through for almost two minutes. Can you believe that? It's going down. It's going down. I got this on camera, bro. World star. It's going down. Well, here's something to think about for all those people in James Casey Holmes. The next time the media wants to call you thugs, please, please don't be offended by it. Because just like the saying goes, if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. If, if you act like a thug, guess what? You're a thug. Plain and simple. It's going down. I got it on World Star. It's going down. Well, let's talk about what really happened. Hmm. The officer, who was Officer of the Year at one point, which is a very prestigious honor in Nashville. I won Officer of the Month a lot of times, but never had the distinct honor of being Officer of the Year. So this officer, Matthew uh, Cameron, was responding to a shots fired and domestic call at James Casey Holmes Projects. And I can't tell you how many times I responded to a shots fired call or domestic at James Casey Holmes Projects. Now this was way back in 2003-2004 when I was working James Casey Holmes Projects of East Nashville. So the same stuff is still going on. So what brought this officer to the scene, this white officer to the scene? Was it because he wanted to harass the black community, because he wanted to be this one 
badass officer who is going to step into a crowd of 100 plus people, black people? No. Crime brought this officer to James Casey Holmes the same way it used to bring me to James Casey Holmes. So when he arrived, he witnessed 22-year-old Brian Shannon repeatedly assault a female. Ooh, so the officer was responding to a call of a crime, and he witnessed a crime. So guess what? By law, the officer, especially in a domestic has to make an arrest. We can thank O.J. Simpson for that. He has to make an arrest. So guess what this officer was going to do? He was going to protect and serve, as he swore to do. He was going to protect that female victim from being assaulted. He was going to service her by making an arrest. But instead of making an arrest, Mr. Shannon decides, I'm going to fight this officer. I'm going to fight this officer, because I'm Billy Badass. So, what happens? He begins to fight him. The officer, by his legal right, as an officer and as a citizen, began to fight back. So as you can hear in the audio, a large crowd was around, and there's another individual who decided to grab at the officer and kick the officer several times. They eventually get up. Mr. Shannon flees. The officer chases him. He catches him. He makes the arrest. Now, let's think about this. Big picture time. And I posted this on Facebook, and I usually don't go on long rants on Facebook, but on this video I did. And one of the things I said is, now, had that officer pulled out his gun, which the use of force continuum would have allowed him to do because he was outnumbered, he would have been able to articulate, he felt an immediate threat of bodily injury or death because there's a large crowd, he's fighting with one suspect, one sp suspect is kicking and grabbing at him, he would have been able to articulate that I had no choice but to fire my weapon. And then here's how this would have gone down. They killed another black boy. The white police officers killed another black boy. He didn't do nothing. He was a good kid. No, he wasn't a good kid because... He decided he wanted to fight the police. He wasn't a good kid because he decided he wanted to smack this female in the face. The other wasn't a good kid because he decided, instead of minding his own business, he was going to try to jump the police officer too and kick at him. He was such a good kid. He had dreams. He was going to go to college. He wasn't going to go to college. Mr. Shannon, the individual that had committed the domestic assault, also had narcotics in him. So unless he was going to the school of narcotics, the school of marijuana, the school of crack cocaine, which is the drug of choice to be sold in James Casey Holmes, he had no dreams and aspirations. But here's how this would have gone down. The Black Lives Matter movement, Al Sharpton, Benjamin Crump, Jesse Jackson, President Obama, the Department of Justice, everybody would have been blocking the streets of Nashville because of this little black kid in the projects. He was so innocent. They didn't have to kill my baby. And then everybody would have been praying, hoping, wishing, demanding a murder charge against this officer. But the totality of the evidence, because 
I always say the law of the land outweighs everything. The law of the land would have said, oh, so some idiot recorded the actual evidence of what really happened? And you want me to charge this white officer with killing this black kid in the project when this officer, based on the law, based on the use of force continuum, was actually justified in what he did? And this officer was able to articulate the fact that he felt threatened he felt an immediate threat of serious bodily injury or death, and you want me to charge him with murder? No, I'm not going to charge this officer with murder. And then what? The city of Nashville goes up in flames? What? James Casey Holmes starts a riot? What? Well, it was a riot on that day. There was a crowd of almost 100 people yelling and cheering this on. At the police! At the police! Oh, he's going to get his butt whooped! He's going to get his butt whooped! But had this gone down, and that officer, who happened to be white, who happened to be responding to a crime in a predominantly black neighborhood, because remember, crime demographics, crime brings police, not color, had that officer pulled that weapon and fired and shot and killed someone, because remember, officers shoot to kill. They shoot to kill. Like Mike Brown's mother said, they could have shot my son in the leg. No, they couldn't have because officers shoot to kill until the threat is gone. So this officer that was totally outnumbered, I assure you, would have shot to kill. And he would have had his sights on anybody that tried to get too close to him. It's called scanning your sector. Scan your lane. Just because one target is down doesn't mean the other's down. So then the video would have shown this officer with his gun and scanning his lane. So then, oh, look. He's threatening to shoot other people. Look at this white officer. He's the devil. No. He's following his training. He's following what the law tells him to do. He's following his legal right as a U.S. citizen to protect himself. So, unarmed, huh? Those two in that video were unarmed, but they easily could have gotten that officer's weapon. I urge you, please, 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 Watch the video and tell me if those two unarmed good kids who didn't do nothing couldn't have got that officer's weapon. Please tell me that and I will tell you, you are blind to the fact of what's really going on. And for those that might be listening and still think this white officer is nothing more than the devil, let me tell you what he made officer of the year for. He saved a shooting victim who was 17 years old at North 8th Street and that shooting victim was African American so here's this white officer that was in a fight with a black teen suspect who some people in society would say oh he's just harassing the black community but yet he saves the life of a black teen in the same city where he got his butt whooped where he got assaulted by two thugs yeah I called them thugs because that's what they are so the individual who assaulted the female was actually only 17 years old, who has a long record, who sells drugs, who probably didn't even live in James Casey Holmes. Because let me tell you how this works. The majority of the people that are there doing illegal activity, i.e. selling drugs and whatever else goes on there, don't live there. I know it because I used to patrol there. I know it. Because I used to get out of my car and walk that project. 
I've had plenty of people run from me because they were committing a crime and they didn't live there. I've had plenty of people want to fight me. I've had plenty of people fight me in James Casey Holmes. So, to go back to that officer's actions, I think he showed great restraint because he could have justifiably pulled his service weapon and fired until the threat was gone. Would I have reacted any different? I'm not sure. I may have drawn my weapon and fired until the threat is gone, and I would have been justified. And I tell you what, I wouldn't have been thinking, oh, this is just a 17-year-old black kid who didn't do nothing, who had dreams. I wouldn't be thinking about Al Sharpton coming in and making me look like the devil. I wouldn't have been thinking about President Obama, the Department of Justice. I wouldn't have been thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement, them blocking the streets, any of that. Here's what I would have thought, that Vincent Hill is going home to his family tonight. And if it's between me and this suspect who is fighting me, who has a partner who is helping fight me, that can get my service weapon, one of us is not going to make it home that evening. But at the end of the day, I'm going home, so who do you think is not going to make it? And I would have been justified in pulling that trigger in James Casey Holmes. Hey, I've pulled my gun out plenty of times in James Casey Holmes because I was put in a situation where I needed to. Because someone had a gun in their possession. Someone had a gun in their waistband that I could see. Did I have to pull the trigger? No. But would I have pulled the trigger if I thought for a split second that my life was in danger? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I would love to see Al Sharpton say anything about me because I would tell Al Sharpton exactly what he can do with himself. The fat Al Sharpton and the skinny Al Sharpton. Both of them would hear a piece of my mind because until they understand what's going on in the black community, until they understand that you can preach police racism all you want, it's a dead horse at this point. Here's the simple fact of life. Racism has been around since the Bible. It's not going anywhere. Crime has been around for a long, long time. We can change crime. We can't change someone's mindset whether they want to like us for the color of our skin. I don't really care if somebody likes me because I'm black. They don't pay my bills. They don't sleep with me at night. I could care less. But what I do care about is if... I look in the city of Chicago where there's 17 shootings in one day where one person dies, but yet I don't hear Al Sharpton say anything about that. But I hear the mayor of Chicago say, we need police reform. This report says that the police in Chicago are racist and they just swarm on the black neighborhood. Well, until you wake up, mayor of Chicago, until you wake up, Al Sharpton, until you wake up, President Obama, and realize police aren't swarming on the black neighborhoods. Go listen to your police dispatch in your cities. I do it all day every day. I hear the calls that go out. I know the cities because I look at the crime maps. I know where calls are being dispatched. It's to the black neighborhoods, not because, again, the dispatcher is just sitting there and say, you know what, I want to send all my white officers to the black neighborhood. No, it's because... That's the radio keying up, code three. All my police officers know that. Shooting on second and Barry, suspect, male black, wearing all black, 
Direction of flight, eastbound on 2nd Street. Home invasion. James Casey Holmes, apartment 505. Suspect male black, wearing all black. Witnesses say he took out in a gold Taurus on Shelby Avenue. This is why police are coming to the black neighborhoods. Preach police racism all you want. Racism is not going anywhere. What we need to focus on is crimeism. And I got a copy written, so don't ever try to use it. Crimeism. We need to focus on crimeism. We have a crime problem in this country. We have a crime problem in the city of Nashville. It has gotten 10 times worse since I left the department. We have a huge crime problem in the city of Chicago. 17 shootings one day. 13 shootings the next day. 8 shootings the next day. 15 shootings the next day. That is like a basketball team a day getting shot and killed in the city of Chicago. But yet, the mayor wants to preach police reform because he was almost out the door because of the shooting of Laquan McDonald. He's not preaching police reform because he cares about the black community. It's political. Political, political. He still has a little while left in office. He needs the black community to believe that he is behind what they're asking for. The city of Chicago, where our president is from, has enough violence than some small wars. In one year, more violence than some small wars. U.S. soldiers aren't dying as fast as people in the city of Chicago. That is sad. It's really sad. Unarmed, quote-unquote, unarmed suspects think it's okay in the city of Nashville to assault a police officer. And that's okay as long as that white officer doesn't shoot the little black teen in the projects. Oh, they shot him six times. Well, yeah, he was shot six times because police shoot until the threat stops. And let me translate this for you. The threat stops mean when the threat is on the ground and no longer moving. And if you think that one shot will kill someone, I urge you to go watch the video of the Ohio State Trooper, I believe he was in Ohio, who happened upon a murder suspect who, when he was asking him questions, the murder suspect pulled a knife, lunged at the officer. He shot him center mass. Three seconds later, you see the suspect get up with the knife again. So police shoot until the threat is stopped. So had that gone down in Nashville the way it could have gone down, that community would have no one to blame except for this young Brian Shannon who assaulted this female and initiated the whole thing and his cohort who ended up assaulting that officer as well. They wouldn't have been able to blame the city of Nashville police, the officer, the white community, the Chinese community, the Hispanic community, no community. The only community they could have blamed was James Casey Holmes' community for allowing that individual to do that because out of a crowd of a 100, someone should have had the sense enough to say, hey man, you are dead wrong. You should not be fighting this police officer. Get off of him. But no one said that. At the police. Oh, it's going down, bro. I got it on video, bro. 
World star, bruh. If it looks like a thug, hmm, you might get a pass. If it acts like a thug, you get no pass. Don't complain next time when people want to call you thugs, because if you act like that, that's what people are going to call you. And let me clarify, thug has no color. There's no such thing as thugs are only for the black community. There's thugs of all racist nationalities. A thug is a thug. Look up the definition and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Hey, I'm just about out of time, but of course, I want to do like I always do at the end of the show and have my roll call. And unfortunately, we have another officer to add to the list of 2016. Officer Stephen Michael Smith, Columbus Police, Columbus, Ohio. His end of watch, April 12th, 2016. He actually was shot three days before while SWAT was attempting to serve a warrant on a suspect there in Columbus. He was shot. They really never believed Officer Smith would make it. Three days later, unfortunately, he passed away. So to Officer Smith, Godspeed to you, my friend. Thank you for your service. To your family, my prayers are with you. To my listeners, I want to thank you for listening. If tonight's show was a little rough on you, I told you at the beginning it would be. But that message needed to be heard. If you don't think it needed to be heard, I don't think your mind is open. I want to thank you for listening. I will see you next week. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill Sr. That's Vincent Hill SR. This has been Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you the best in digital media broadcasting. We've got something for everybody. National sports radio talents such as the fabulous Sports Babe and Rich Herrera. Huge podcasts like the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show. And the MMA Insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan. New shows like Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill. Entertainment shows like LOL with Nancy Alexander. And shows that'll make you think like Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger. We've got you covered. You can find all our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.